On this episode, you need to like and subscribe, Danny. Can you tell them to like and subscribe Can to please, The Big Gym everyone, Show? Please, everyone, like and subscribe to The Big Gym Show because he is a wonderful, powerful man. Thank you very much. Yes, there you go. So like, subscribe. With a big like, heart. Like, subscribe. Big heart. Compassionate. And a legend. He's a legend. Like, please. Jim. The Big Gym Show. Big Jim is wearing his heels Marching around the town to get some thrills But it's time to go in now On this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful, the powerful, Danny Cipriani. I've got Daniel Cipriani in the studio. How cool. It's cool to be here with Jim Hamilton. Who would have thought? Well, we've tried to make it happen. We have, yeah. Before. Yeah. You messaged me and... I just didn't feel ready to speak about stuff, man. I wasn't in a place of knowing myself or um, it would have been a very different type of conversation. Well, that is for sure now because the momentum has gathered, which we will get into. But I think when I spoke about having you in or chatting, it was just because to shoot the shit with a lad that I enjoyed watching. We played together when we were younger. Do you remember that or not? You can say no. You can say now I'm putting you on the spot. You were in a very different space to how, me. How old were we? Young. We were in the England Academy together when I was English. National Academy? We were in the National Academy. I was with you. The elder Fuck statesman. Off. Yeah, me, you, James Haskell. Did you have tattoos then? No. No, no beard. Beardless. But when I was fearless. 15? You were a bit older. I think you were about 16, 17. Jim, I didn't know that. Yeah, we were. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. With Brian Ashton? Brian Ashton. Did you love it? Or did you think that it was a bit extra? I didn't feel english the I classrooms did. I did. the classroom sessions we did a lot of classroom sessions yeah, right it was a thing i enjoyed it yeah but i, I mean, you've got a thing i was at leicester so yeah. we were old school yeah yeah and you were, yeah. and brian was like think about the game we're like think what the <laughs> fuck we're not here to think man and you're there just gazing out the window thinking rock and roll i used yeah. to look at you and hask i was like these lads are like rock stars not that I wanted to be a rock star, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was a bit jealous, a bit envious of you, you. Did you just put me in the same bracket as James Haskell? No, I didn't. I put you just him, said you and Hask were like yeah, rock stars. But, well, he acted like a rock star, okay, and you were the rock star. No, not necessarily. Uh, I love James. He's a, he's a character, man. He's but you don't remember me. You don't remember me, do you? Say, <sighs> far out, man. Do you know what? I am honest, so I don't. You don't. How funny is that? I remember you. But I wasn't there to remember names. I was just excited to play rugby. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't think I was even going to be a rugby player at that point I was just living my days uh, and I loved working with Brian because it felt like he really brought something out of me so I enjoyed that but yeah I, that's mad I don't remember you being there yeah that's how bad I was no it's nothing you, to you do with your own you being there. good or bad I'm not going to just remember good players I was just you were in, in a, what you were you were locked in what this is what I thought of you okay at, the time. at 16 year old, I was the youngest you, you might have been older I, so how old are you now 35. 35, so five years difference. So I was the youngest at Nash Academy for like a couple of years because yeah. Brian saw me and just thought, bring me in. But I remember you were going out in these things at that time. Like you were driving, so you weren't 15, 16. In yeah, my mind, was, you yeah. had a Lamborghini or something turning okay. up to training. That's so let's just, in your mind. Yeah, let's just in continue my mind, with the story. That's how I tell it. Okay. But it wasn't the case. But I remember you were this superstar on the scene as a young lad, good looking, playing in London, with the Leicester Mutes. 
yeah, and that yeah, was my yeah. first memory of you. And then we've obviously gone on to play against each other. Yeah, yeah. And you doing your thing, me doing my thing to get into this point now, which is brilliant. Class. It's life's beautiful, man. <sighs> Mate, I tell you what, life's blown up for you in the last couple of weeks. Intentional. Uh, it's not. It's not remotely changed life for me in the last couple no. of weeks because what happens when you do a book is um, there's a bidding thing, like a war for not a war, but there's bidding for your serialization of it. And it was either to go the Daily Mail or the Sun and the Times. So I think to myself, how do I make the biggest impact? Because I didn't do this book to sell money. I'm trying to make a difference and shine a light on current culture, uh, media, rugby, things I've been involved in. Through a loving eye, and just by my experience and just speaking my truth, but also through a lot of beautiful times, but a lot of difficult times too. So my reflection's fairly fair and it isn't ever from a negative standpoint. So I go with the sun and the times, um, thinking the time's gonna be more measured and the sun are gonna do what they do. Uh, I didn't think they'd do what they did, the way they did it, because um, you never know, but it's brilliant how they continue to create the narratives. Um, so I went with the times and the lady Hadley, I really enjoyed the conversation. I thought she was cool. At the end of the conversation, she was vulnerable and shared some, an experience she had, which made her make a big decision in her life. And she went on to do it. And I showed compassion and love and I was like, that's really cool. Then that interview was just all about sex. And I, cause she asked me a lot about sex. And I was asking the, I was answering the questions I was asked. And then the excerpts the son took is all present tense because the book's been written in present tense. So then when everyone sees the excerpts, everyone thinks it's me speaking now. So it's uh, it's actually, again, just highlighting the current culture we're in because the original trolls, the original people everyone has learned to troll from is the media, is the tabloids. And how does that change? And I swore three and a half years ago um, when I lost someone, when we lost someone, everyone lost someone due to their behaviors that I was never going to let her name go in vain. And it's going to take time for me to get to a point to be able to speak my truth because I had lots to work through, um, obviously, as people were reading the book. But they've just proven my point again, like with the way they've tried to sell the book, with the way they've tried, because you read it, it's got nothing to do with what they've posted and printed. Mm. It's about my personal journey, my story of when, how dejected I once felt, how low I once felt. and But yeah, I'm playing this amazing sport. I'm getting all these things. No, um, Well, that's how it has. Like, yeah, yeah. Up, but mate, you've sold the book. When does it come out? <sighs> it comes out in eight days. Well, there you go. So, But, or, but my intention is never to sell the book. Yeah. It, that, that they're doing this mm. with the way they want to take snippets to create the fanfare and the narrative. And that was one of the most difficult things for me because they were always writing about snippets of my life and everyone was having an assessment or a judgment, but no one knew the inner workings of it. And I had to grow up in the public eye without any framework of a parental system and not have anyone to turn to about my deep inner feelings and all these things that were going on in my life. And it was a whirlwind, as you can see, mm. as, as everyone could see. But yeah, lots has happened, lots has changed, and I'm very grateful for every experience. Have you retired from rugby now? I have not retired. You haven't officially haven't. retired? No, no, I'm I'm super fit. I'm probably the fittest I've ever been, completely niggle and injury-free. My Achilles feels great. Um, and I would love to play again, but I'm also very um, comfortable with the fact that I might not play again because I understand that with the way rugby is and the way rugby's been, everyone has this perception about how I come into a squad. 
but I'm not in that place now where I'm going to take it off the coach's hands and go and coach the team because I think it's best for the team. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But again, it would just take a, a strong coach who is truthful and and compassionate to to want me to come in because you know that's the type of thing I align with. I'm, I don't want to just be aligned with someone who wants to pick up wins because it's not that difficult. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When... I read a book. I, I, I like reading books of people that I think I know. So yeah. I love reading yeah. autobiographies where you think you kind of know them. And then I, I quite enjoy it when you read it and it does come to fruition. It is like, well, that's what I thought about that person. And you feel like you get to know them mm. and you go on that journey with them. I don't read a huge amount. I do like autobiographies. I listen to audio books. That's what I do. I'm traveling doing around. Doing that You're doing the audio. Well, I, I don't know if I'm doing the whole audio. I'm doing a big bulk of it. Oh, tough that. I look forward to it. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you will. It'll be. It'll be great if it's t- telling your own story. What I thought of your book was kind of what I thought I would read, and l- looking at the snippets. And yes, they've been sensationalised. Whether or not that's good or bad, it's going to be good for the sale of the book. Your life did play out in the media, and the only comparison I have is a Gavin Henson, who, as we now know, is nowhere to be seen. Owns a pub in the arse end of Wales, somewhere wants nothing to do with it. I'd say you went a few steps ahead of him and went into this kind of this world can i call it a circus would you call it a circus of this kind of celebrity uh culture that's how it's looked out from the side there's so much carnage and yeah stuff that's surreal well i, th- I think the whole world's circus isn't it right now well, it is yeah, bloody <laughs> right about that it's what it's what we see it's what they write about it's what they mm. portray and however your media is it's kind of like the energy in the country mm. but when I, I read the book and i saw things that were coming out in the media these are all things that I thought would play out with a Danny Cipriani book. The World Cup starts in a few days. Eddie Jones is talking mm. about it because he's been asked the question. Owen Farrell is brought up in a press conference. It's the fucking World Cup. Mm. And they're talking about Sips' book. So whether or not that through that's fault or design, it's worked because it's Danny Cipriani. So when did you sit down and start thinking about wanting to write it and want to do it? Because I'll just go back. I'll just finish my point here. The book played out how I thought it might, as in a life full of drama, of ups and downs, and then a finding, a belonging at the end, and that kind of desire to want to carry on in that space. Like I, I felt that with you, you know, again, we're, I'm at a point now in my life where I'm not trying to find myself, but looking for self improvement. Like I'm a father, I see the world very differently now. And I know that you, you're at kind of this point of your life now, but you've been through all that. The carnage. I mean, I love a story. One thing I did think, like, if I'm just solely giving my opinion, I almost want you to embrace that rock and roll. You know? I think that <laughs> you're going to think the opposite. I think there's a market for it. In what sense? In a lot of people now, in a good way, and I've just said that I do that, I'm looking for a purpose of calm, tranquil, understanding myself, like a, a need to kind of know who I am now. 
Like, and that's the space that I'm in. And I do that by a number of things, like exercise, don't drink as much, you know, present with my kids. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but it's almost like you've gone this kind of full circle to now go into a similar path. You want quiet and calm. We were talking a little bit about God in the green room, um, love, all of these things. Why have you just not embraced the carnage and just said, look, this is my book, this is my life, I fucking love it and own it, which you do. Mm. But let's just not carry on in the carnage, but like, I want to be famous. I want to be on this. I want to be on that. I want to be seen. I want the sun to write these extracts. I want Eddie Jones. I want to sell loads of, I want to be the number one selling book. I want people to see fucking carnage. I loved it. That that was never my reasoning for doing the book. No, I know, but that's, yeah, what, I yeah. wanted, that's what I yeah, wanted it I, to be. I get what I get. You're speaking from your, from your bias, your point of view, and I appreciate and respect that. My experience within it is I never asked for it. You, you met me as a 16, 17-year-old and people were already writing about me because of the way I played rugby. I didn't even, I was just enjoying what I did. It was my saving grace. It was my light. It was within me that I went into that route. I didn't have any control of that. It wasn't like a thought-out design. It saved my life as well as, I don't, I don't even want to say save my life because there's no other option. It's what happened. But within me, I was so excited to go and play sport. And you have to follow that excitement in life because it's going to teach you everything you need to know. There's a, there's a balance with pleasure and pain because pleasure can feel like you're following your excitement because with pleasure, there's lots of ups and downs. And as you see within my book, I dive into that realm lots because I'm trying to fulfill something within me, trying to fill a space which was always kind of missing. So I, I do embrace it all. I'm very honest and I, I'm, I'm raw with all of it and how I felt, but the fact that it kept going the way it did and my behaviors were playing out publicly in the way that they were, it was always stemmed from a place of lack within. It was never from a place of like owning it or joy. Like, because if it was, then it would only ever been being attached to my ego. And then that would have kept growing. Like love is the only thing that has kept me going because that's the thing that got me into my sport. That's the thing that I've always been searching and chasing and looking for. And that's how I met my wife. And then I've gone internally and I recognize that the only way we can truly heal ourselves, to enjoy these moments, to have these things where we're trying to find ourselves is to recognize to truly love self, but not from a vanity or an ego point of view or to think you're better than anyone else. There's, you can't, there's no hierarchy scheme in this. We are all one in the same in this journey. But for me, love of self means I can now love others. I love, I love everyone I meet, right? I meet you on that level. So when I speak to you, I meet you on that level. I don't judge you on your mistakes, your errors, or what you've been, or what you've done, or even what you've achieved or what you've succeeded on. That doesn't interest me. I meet you right here, right now on that level. And in the green room, you were open and raw with me straight away. I meet you on that level. I don't, the rest of it is fun stories because it's life and it's in the past. I can't drag any of that with me here and now. That's just baggage. And everyone knew I was carrying that for a long time. Mm. And I found playing rugby the easy bit. I didn't find that difficult. I found that really enjoyable and I loved it. That's not to say it's, a it's not a tough sport and that's not to disrespect rugby in any way, shape or form. I really enjoyed that part of it because it was the only time my mind was truly quiet. The rest of my life, because there were so many dots that needed to be joined and, and everything needed to be added up that I didn't know what was going internally because I didn't really have a strong structure or framework around me in the traditional parental sense. So I didn't have people to turn to. So I'm going through all of this stuff and I'm just bottling it. I'm just bottling it all and stuff's happening. And rather than dealing with it, I've got a game this week. So I've got to forget about that and go play my game. So you imagine when a kid's crying and 
they're bawling out and you just want them to be quiet or or you want them to not cry because you feel sad because they're crying, you give them an iPad. So straight away they get distracted. So from a young age, you're teaching kids to distract themselves as opposed to sitting down with the child crying, sit with them, sit in that moment and then just let it simmer out because it's going to go. And that's how you regulate emotions. So as an adult, things is going on, I'm constantly trying to distract myself. I'm constantly trying to take myself out of it because I had no regulation internally how to deal with anything that was going on with me. So the past is the past and I love every moment, the good, the bad that I've experienced, you know, the difficult, the the amazing, the ups, the downs. There isn't anything I would change from my experience. Obviously there's people that I've lost over time. I wish that they were here, but through death is the grief. It's the most catalytic event that will teach you the most about yourself and it will transcend your life. It can also send you on a journey of a long process of really finding yourself because the pain can feel overwhelming and heavy and it could be hard to shake because you can feel like you've lost something. But we don't own anyone. We are all one in each individual, but we are all still one in the same. Mm. Right? We all just have different experiences, different suits on, different uh, preferences, but yet we all get judged for our mistakes, the way we behave or these things that are out in the societal world that everyone gets to see. And everyone was just seeing that with me. Snippets, judging me on that. And I was wearing it because I got all my validation from playing sport because that's where I felt free and that's where people saw me and loved me. So when I was getting it in a good way, all the way till I was 20 odd, then I started getting all this and then it just came. And then I'm wearing that as much as I'm wearing the good times. Hence why I went so low. But at some point it all balanced itself out, which it has done. And I look back with fondness with all my experiences. I have no ill feeling towards no coach. I have only love and understanding and compassion for their journeys and, and a sense of what they've been through because I've been through the scale of things. I can feel that too, but I won't stand for bullshit. I won't stand for people just talking shit. So if I say something, it's from a loving place, but it's going to be direct because my whole career, I was labeled disruptive and trouble by all these coaches because they wanted to play it their way. But why is the floor not opened up if there might be a different way of doing things? Because in terms of gameplay and flow of a game and reading of a game, I kind of got that down to a T at some point. Obviously, you can be better and you can do all that. So why are we not going to discuss ways to do it, ways to improve forwards to go at the line or players to do it? Because that was kind of the place I got to. But that door was never open because coaches wanted control and they wanted to feel like it was them that did it. Or I can't speak for them, but it, I can understand that it feels a little bit uncertain when you've got a player out there just doing things like that. So um, And with a life like yours. Exactly. So I understand from an England perspective why they would think, oh, it's a risk, but on the scale of things, those mistakes were not me. They were not who I was. Mm. No one says within environments I've been disruptive. I've had people like um, Hask say to me when I was at Wasps, um, Danny, you know what dies like? Just come on, just toe the line a bit. And I'm like, I don't want to be like everyone else and toe the line. I'm going to say what I feel. If everyone's getting injured on the basis of this training and it's not going to help us play better on a Saturday, I will say what I feel. I'm not going to just be quiet, but I'm not going to do it in a way where it's like, you're fucking shit. I'm going to say with a solution or, or, or a difference of view, or let's at least have a conversation about it so we can change it. We get the worlds mixed up because I'm making mistakes off the field. It's got no correlation to me on the field. Yeah, but you've got to think that the old school and how far behind Agreed. the times. Agreed. 
is or was. You also see what's happening to the sport now because mm. the sport's not an honest sport. Mm. Top to bottom. What do you mean? You go from the way the business is run. You go from the way England's been selected for the last 15 years. There's always six, seven, eight people. You're like, why is he not playing? Take me out of this. Take me out of this. So people are like, he's just talking about himself. I'm not. Right. We have got an unbelievable amount of world-class athletes that play our sport. We even have it in football to a degree, but they put a coach in there to almost control them. But why do we have to do that within this country? Because there's a, a way of knocking things down. So going back on the honesty front of rugby, the whole sport is designed about dishonesty, the way you defend. How can you encroach on the rules as much as possible? How can you distract and slow the ball down and make the game a shit fight? You was an expert at it. And, they, and you can do that within the laws. But people are always trying to push the boundaries. That's a, still a dishonest way of playing. Mm. When you're playing basketball, you, aren't, you might be trying to do little nudges, but high skill is always going to win. In football, you might hit people late. You might tackle Neymar late. High skill is always going to win. In NFL, same thing. High skill is still going to win. So it's not just the contact element. In boxing, high skill is always going to win over brutality, physicality, like always going to win, mm. right? But we don't even enter into that realm because of the dishonesty of the sport. We are more so now if you look at the teams that are playing a lot better. But it's an interesting take. I agree mm. with you on some parts of it, especially around England. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a very toxic environment yeah. right now and it's almost like rugby's trying to find itself in England I say England specifically this is because I feel like Scotland have found their way without going into too many details about like different teams France are doing their thing the World Cup's over there New Zealand South yeah. Africa etc I'm saying more England thing. by the way I'm not saying other nations uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I, saying I, more I, the way I agree with you. Is... I, I agree with you there seems to be this kind of toxic feeling around this isn't me this is like the outside perspective mm. Eddie Jones was a part of that at the beginning it seems to have now spilled over to Paul Borthwick and Kevin Sinfield, and they're struggling to find themselves like an identity. Uh, where do we go with this? Let's flip flop. Let's go into the England camp because you got brought up around. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> the clique again. I've seen that we had cliques when we were younger. There was a Leicester clique and uh, a Wasp clique, of course. At Saracens, there's a natural clique around Saracens because no one liked us because we were overpaid. But that was the one of the things that got picked up. And you're talking about it's a fucking great time to bring out a book, by the way, because they're talking about it at an England press conference. Did you see Owen's comments? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, not you it, did. Yeah. I was going to show, show you them. What do you think he was really thinking when you said that? I've got no idea. It's good that he saw it, though, because eh? he's not normal. He's not that active on social, but the lads talk, don't they? <laughs> yeah, Cole, guess, Coley's probably guess, whispering in his I ear. I guess there was a little bit of conversation about it. And, you know, the fact that they used the word mafia, well, the word mafia was used. I think that was obviously what gives it the connotation of the aggressive nature of it. But ultimately, the cliques that have been created within England are character-based according to the coach's desire. So if the coach thinks you're a good character, you can come close. Surely there's a game to play too within that, that for you to get on side with the coach, for you to get that trust. Because rugby is very much a relationship sport, heritage, tradition. Do you think getting on well with the coach would serve you well in a boxing right fight for a world champion fight if you and the coach have got a good relationship mm. it wouldn't would it no in premiership football do you think that any of those people are getting picked for their teams based on he's a good lad no and you can see that with the big characters but you in also the see sports. that in the fact that the business is booming mm. football is getting paid more than ever and it's not about money i don't care about money 
but I'm talking about the integrity and the honesty of the sport. And when you look at it, you, you can't get picked on those levels within that environment in the NBA or the NFL on character, in the coach's opinion. But if they feel safe as a coach in rugby, I'm going to bring you in because I know you're going to follow my orders out on the field. How limiting is that for the entire squad? Mm. Because if I'm following your orders, then I've got to dumb myself down to play in your way because there hasn't been a coach. Sean Edwards has played with the most amazing players ever, right? And I, I went, to, uh, I'm the goddad to his daughter and we was at a pub afterwards and there was like Chris Radlinski there, Martin Afire, was all the legends, right? And everyone's having a drink and me and Sean have got a beautiful relationship, but it's not like he's the guy who's going to shower you with love. But he's publicly at the top of his voice going, two best ball players I've ever seen players, Billy Boston and Danny Cipriani, in front of all these league legends. Like, when he said that, it was like probably the first time he's given me a real compliment apart from a tackle I made in the Iron Cup final, right? Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I love the man. And, you know, we have a good relationship. He asked me to be goddad to his daughter, otherwise that's just the way it went. When he said that, I was just like, yo, that that's special because I didn't see that, that foresee that. But yet, English rugby hasn't even looked at employing someone like Sean. And when they had someone like Brian, took him out. Because it's all people that look like they're doing the right thing, are deemed to have good character. It doesn't cut it in elite sport, in, a, in the elite world. If you're looking like you're doing the right thing, you're missing a trick. Because you can't be looking like you're doing the right thing. You can't hold your own. You, you go through the whole thing that's happened. The sport's in a, in a in a crisis right now. It's in a depression. And it's actually in the best place it's ever been. Because if it didn't get to this point, change would never happen. But we're now at this point. Changes have to happen. When you've been through a depression, when you've been through dark times, you realise some things have got to start changing within for this to start becoming a better uh, example or enjoy the fruits of life again. Otherwise, you just kind of have a dark cloud over you. Mm. And the honesty, the integrity, and the energy the sport's played in is what's kept it low. It's not the financial thing. We're in a world now where they've made up boxing with YouTube stars and they're making millions. You can make money in any way, shape or form you want, but people see the truth of the matter. People are aligned with that. There's obviously people that sell products too and do really well and, and that's the societal stuff, but people feel the truth of what's going on. I think the difference with you, Danny, compared to other players that we've seen in rugby who I wouldn't even say that, that I've mentioned Henson I'm struggling to think of a few more I know Dan Carter's got a bit in him but he's gone down the leadership route and he's kind of hid behind that I'd want it's him to come It's different in out. New Zealand though It is different It's different It is It is. But the thing is with you because you were so good or you are so good you've not retired you were standout in some games you are world class in some games but you are the fly half so you're the quarterback right and your relationship with that coach, and we've seen snippets of it with Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend. There was a big fallout when they were getting spanked 28-0 or 31-0 or 31-7 when they were playing England at Twickenham and Finn blows up and they come out and they end up drawing that game. Big blow up, Finn gets thrown out the squad for drinking too many beers. All this drama, now they've come to this kind of mutual respect because the fly half does have the keys to the kingdom. You look at Owen there, if that's any other player who's, banging people that high, getting red carded, you're out. Johnny Sexton, speaking to the ref, Jakob Piper, how he did, or whoever the referee was at that point, 
he gets banned and he's back in. It, it feels like there is a shift. Are you specifically talking about England because I'm talking about everything. I, I've not I've not experienced any of what Finn Russell, Johnny, and Owen have been through. Yeah. My stuff has been off field in my private life because mm. I've had stuff within me that has driven me to behave in those type of ways because I've been longing and seeking for some sort of feeling, mm. right? And whatever that looks like. But ultimately, I've not had bust-ups with coaches. I've had conversations and they felt really uncomfortable and they don't really want to pick me anymore. But that hasn't. that's not even happened, to be honest. I've never had the door open to me in England. When I was at Wasps, Dai Young um, didn't want me to be there because he wanted it to go his way. But did you read that part of the book? I've seen that. I've seen that. And part then did of it, you see yeah. him try and re-sign me once they mm. finished eleventh for the following season? Yeah. Because then he kind of recognised maybe I wasn't the problem. Can you imagine you in the mind of so many of these coaches? Though, because it's not just dyers. There's been a, a few coaches along the way where it's well, like yeah, fuck because they, they might not know what they're going to get. Man. They know that they want you. You like that, like. Yeah, but the door's never been open in England, and it it hasn't because of the way Stuart and Andy ran the team, and you you can't get over that that mm. situation. Like the door was not open. My does only, that hurt you? No, nothing hurts me, man. Like, yeah, I, because, I love life. I'm just talking about my experience yeah. in the past. Nothing I'm speaking about is going to make a jot difference for me. Mm. It's only going to make a difference for the next people coming through. Mm. I'm not playing rugby to go and play for England again. Steve Borwick would not, I'm not playing. Mm. I'll go do a job, but I'm not playing right now. Nothing I speak about in the book is me trying to say, yeah, you should have picked me. I'm so Fucking happy they didn't, Jim, mm. because I went on a journey to find out who I was and go deep within and answer a bunch of questions that I didn't know was even with me. You don't get in life what you want. You get what you need. And I, and me getting what I needed to grow as a human, it's been so perfect because I've had to go on some soul searching because ultimately when I came into this world, my heart was ripped out at 10 years old when my father left and me and my mum have not had that type of relationship. It's not been affectionate or loving. So I've felt a big disconnect there. But for me to provide unconditional love for both of them now is my biggest catalyst in learning has been them. And that has been the full circle of how I feel with things. I'm not judging people on their past behaviours. I know what that feels like. So when I look at the way that uh, rugby is now, for it to change, I have to speak the truth of what I've experienced. The RFU, England coaches, all the coaches that didn't pick me, they created me to do this because this is the way it's gone. If I had 100 caps, my ego might be flying out the roof and I might be some, I might be the guy who's a rock star and loving it. Mm. But that's also a dark hole to keep going in because your ego stays like that. And then when most players retire, there's still that player in their head and then how does life ever get good again? Because you used to be this thing that was great on TV playing rugby. But you are no longer. But you're not anymore. Mm. You're not that. You're not a rugby player. You just play the sport. You're not identifying as that. You're not identifying as any of those things. You've got to find a way to love and enjoy and embrace life. That's why we're here. We're talking about sport. This is like a fun game. Mm. But there's some serious fundamental issues within it because people are trying to make money at the top with the RFU and coaches want an easy ride. A lot of them don't have the emotional intelligence to open up the door to be able to have these situations where you really discuss how do we go and attack and play in teams. There's lots that do. I've not met many, but I know some people have great relationship with coaches. But for me, the sport fundamentally, energetically, it needs to be looked at because otherwise it's going to be amateur in five years. But that's what I mean. There must be a little bit in your sips, as in I know love and gratitude and all these things now where 
when everyone says Danny Cipriani should have played more for England. So forget the financial reward that comes with that. What's that, that going to do for me, Jim? No, but it's what it would have done for you at that time. I'm not but, saying now, but at the time... What would it have done for me at the time? Mate, you would have been seen, and not that this is a thing, and this goes back to a place where the perception is of you. You would have been seen as one of the best players in England to have played for England. I know that in my heart, though. I don't need yeah. to have been seen to do that because mm. then I get all this validation in that position and then I probably don't start addressing all the things I had to f to live a great life and have a beautiful wife and want to really make a difference in this world. But you might have gone on both journeys. You might have got to that point. Perhaps, but that wasn't my story. I just think, yeah, there's been some trouble, there's been some trauma there, but fuck, what a journey. Especially in the UK and England where it is media dominated, it's toxic, the stuff that you've been through involved in them circles... Whilst being in my world of rugby, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, this is, it's, it's wild. Like, it's crazy. And we will get onto the point of getting to where you are now and then, and, and that, that moment it turned to get to that. But your kind of stories don't happen in rugby. They don't. And whether you like it or not, this is part of the growth and the profile of our game. These are the conversations that need to be had because the issue is now is that players do retire that have got a voice, that are high profile, that have a platform that want to talk about these things. That is the worry, right? Because you have players like yourself who come out and actually, you know what, this is my truth. But then there's also, they also feel like they've got to give back to the game. The commentators keep the game in the same perpetual cycle it's in of negativity and... High tackle, not high much, tackle should be a red much, card. Not much under, true understanding of the game. Like I said, I said in the thing about Eddie that he's got a lack of understanding of rugby. And I say that, right, without any offence to him as a human being. I have compassion for his story. Growing up in Australia, a very racist country until recently, how they treated Aborigines as a young Japanese boy, second choice hooker, fighting, 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 builds massive chips on his shoulders, you know, aggression. And how does he coach in the same way? If you've got a team that need to get a one-off performance and their back's against the wall, you're bringing Eddie Jones. If you want to grow, expand the game with love, compassion and really actually play in the game, it's not so much going to fit in with what you're trying to do and I say that based on training with him lots but also after games I've seen him say things like um, we were trying something different today we were trying to play off quick ball he, those are literally the words he said it's not physically possible you can't try to play off quick ball and you can't try something different doing that you have to create quick ball it's how you create it within the momentum of what you do, whether that be being very physical or two metre passes or pulling defences out or playing in behind you can't try to play off quick ball because his whole training was based off quick, 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 fast ball, fast ball, put the ball on the floor, mate, real fast, go, 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 mm -hmm. go. It's wasted practice because you don't get to actually practice creating the momentum of quick ball. Then you have to transition. You have to, in that moment, then attack in a different manner because all bets are off. It's not about the system or the structure or framework you've got around you. It's about how do we continue on this line of momentum? But to get there, you've got to create it through your framework, through timing, through understanding, through nuance, through physicality, through spatial recognition. So it's little things he says like that. That's why I say he has a lack of understanding of the game. We look now at the issues that have been, I say caused by Eddie Jones. I'll say one thing. I like Eddie because of what he does for us in the media, gives us snippets to talk about. There's a kind of there's a character within him. He's colourful, but there are there are some horror stories around Eddie. There are some horror stories, and he is one that's not happy at the minute. Yeah, well, either. listen, he he cannot be happy with me because I'm only ever going to tell the truth, right? 
But ultimately, I don't dislike Eddie. I feel disappointed in the fact that he doesn't choose to look at his own behaviours and be accountable. Because I know as a man, I had to do that to survive. But I also know you can continue on a way of being a coach and chuck out snippet lines and tell people to uppercut themselves and lie to this person and go through 40 staff and injure loads of players through bullshit training and not be held accountable and then decide to blame the RFU. Mm. And then because they played two anomaly of games, which was 25 minutes against New Zealand and the Ireland game where they attacked well, suddenly, oh, he can coach. Winning games of rugby for England is not a difficult thing to do because you have a phenomenal rooted forward pack that's always going to provide you some form of good ball. And if you have a good understanding and, and, and you don't fuck up the system, you're going to go all right. Martin Johnson, Stuart Lancaster and Eddie Jones all fucked up the system, man. Mm. Like, Because, you know, Martin wasn't ready and Stuart Lancaster got picked on a PowerPoint presentation. That's not taken away from what he now does and how he's a coach and you take the emotion out of it. You know, you take the emotion out of Andy Farrell and you put him in his position as an Ireland coach. It's fantastic what he's doing because Ireland play the best framework in world rugby in terms of the consistency of the decision-making, the, the shapes they play, and being able to find space and attack space. They have a great understanding. Andy's a great coach. But you take the emotion out of coaching England, as well as family members within the squad, that's going to make a difference. You know, you have children. Imagine coaching your 12-year-old in a team. Are you? Is it going to be a little bit more difficult than just coaching a bunch of lads? Absolutely. Of course it is. But ultimately... We don't do that. We look at character and we want to talk about family. And we want to talk about these things within the rugby family, but it's sport. It's fun. It's a game. It's enjoyable. It's expressive. Let's go and love what we do. Don't put all this extra pressure on it saying this means everything because it does mean everything. But if you think it means everything, you're never going to perform as well as you could. But then there's some fundamental crossovers with the way Eddie behaves in the way he treats people that I can't get behind. I can't follow you because I'm not going to follow you as a man. You're going to be the reason why I'd be different. Even if you was the guy that picked me, he wouldn't because it wouldn't align. But, you know, my example is with Steve Dimes. Dimes is a good bloke. Like, he's not a bad bloke. But I can't get behind, I can't be like, oh, I'm all in for Dimes because he picked me. Because I've seen how he treated other people too. I've got to have some understanding that, okay, that's his journey. That's his experience. He's got to go through that. But just because he picked me, it's not like, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, what, we're definitely on the same page. No one likes being spoken to like a dog. No. And, no one. And, and no being one barked does. at and being screamed at and seeing favourites and in the team and, you know, you feel like a piece of shit. Like, no one needs that. No, no, one, no one needs that, right? But yet, I understand rugby is a sport which is very macho. And I understand that a lot of people within rugby come from very similar um, up backgrounds and upbringings you've had a different one you're a very compassionate man i'm not saying rugby players aren't but they're almost put into a place of playing a sport and they feel like you have to behave like a man and be like a man but what does that mean that means really showing love and compassion and getting down on someone's level and really getting to know them not just giving orders and directing and telling people what to do that's not how great coaches work you look at pep guardiola and the relationship he has with each and every player after games footballers are hugging the coach when in rugby, do you ever see that? Mm. Apart from in New Zealand with Scott Robertson, yeah. and he break dances after the final. So I watched that and I thought, if that was an English coach, every player would be like, what the fuck are you doing? But mm. when you meet Scott Robertson and you speak to him, 
you understand why the boys love him. Absolutely. Because he speaks about playing in the clouds and he connects with you as a man and he speaks and connects with you in a compassionate sense. And he has a full understanding and spectrum of life and he's not pretending to be something he's not. 100%. So that's why he gets that reaction. Yeah. So that's when I see that and I, he's there's something different in him. I spoke to him a few times like before I played for the Barbars a while back. Um, and like the conversation was brilliant, mate. Like it was open, it was raw. I, talk, I spoke to about everything and it was a respectful conversation. I was like, man, you're going to, I didn't say you're going to be a great coach. You are a great coach, but you can just tell why he has the success he has. Definitely. But within our sport of rugby, we think go harder, faster, longer, stronger, bigger, da -da -da, it's going to survive. And then we go, yeah, but look at South Africa as the example. You don't know what South Africa have connected within that group. It's completely You can't different. buy it, man. No. I, I went and saw Willie LaRue at their team hotel, yeah? And the smiles and the love and the connection they feel for each and every, each member when they come and greet you. It's hugs. It's beautiful, man. It's Isn't not like right? walking around being like, you are right? Are you doing? Yeah, you are right? Yeah. There's, Isn't a, that there's, right? a genuine, yeah. there's a genuine connection there with all of them. Because Which everyone talks about, culture, connection, being together, of, being of, joined but, up. But it's not, it's not created out of a whim. It's, it's through, it's true. let's get to know each other. I want to know your story. And there's some incredible stories there with some guys of what they've mm. been through and how they are. But some of those guys aren't confident in this country to speak up. The, you know, the Wadies necessarily at the time or, or Kylie Smith at the time. We welcome those guys in. Watch the game of rugby change. You, you recognize them as a man and show them love. Watch the game change because mm. you're going to start to learn and see some magic that we don't get to see in this country. Yeah. Let's close the chapter on the England stuff and the RFU. Yes. So not that you are here to give a solution, but what do you think the solution is? I mean, it can't get any worse. They might do all right in the World Cup. They've got Argentina. They do all right in World Cups. They've got the players. But with the stuff that you said, is is quite damning, really, on the organisation. Yeah. I look at it from the outside in. I agree with you on some of it. I don't know enough about yeah. the other parts of it. I'm obviously a Scotland fan, and I'm a rugby fan, and we went through the archives. France are thriving. South Africa, love them. Massive mm. fan of Scott Robinson. Seeing him in a few days in, oh, in Marseille, wicked. which will be classic. Yeah, I, yeah, the emotional yeah, intelligence of these guys and the emotion, the connection that you feel to these people bring you on the journey of rugby, and that's what I love. But England don't have that at the minute. So let's close the chapter on that. What what do you think needs to change? The only thing that is going to make them pay attention is losing money, right? The, the rest of it's just white noise because it's a money-driven business, Twickenham selling out. And that started not to happen in the last couple of games. So there's going to be people now feeling it and shaking because you can't run this business or the sport with a view to make money. It's got to be done in truth, integrity, and, and, and coach coaches to coach in a, a full perspective way. Don't just talk about culture or like, let's have coaches that are truly compassionate and loving. And that can be stern. Like Sean Edwards is the best coach I've had. And he walks around tough ass. He's had a tough life. He's had lots of tough things go on. But the compassion he shows to each and every single one of his players, how he gets in bed with them, not physically, but like to the point where you feel like, okay, he's with me. That's why he gets the results he gets. Mm. Defence is not a difficult part of the game. Setting up a structure, the fold, getting off the line. He brings the intensity and emotion out of them because they feel feel it with him. And he's doing it in a country that don't speak, he, the language doesn't necessarily speak fluently. Like he's obviously got a good French and he worked hard on it. They see his efforts. But the fact that he's managed to feel, do you shows how good he is. It shows you, like, you know, he, he is a compassionate 
man. You want Sean Edwards, don't you? No, no, I'm not. I, I, listen, I would love Sean Edwards to be involved as a defence coach. I think that'd be great for England. I think someone like Scott Robertson heading it up, you know, really just shaking up what we see within mm. rugby now because what we need to hear needs to be different to every tagline you've heard from Borthwick, Lancaster, Johnson, so on. It needs to sound different. Well, Razzie's up for grabs, apparently. He'd be great. You know, he's done a fantastic job at South Africa. How, how do you replicate that success? Is it possible? Because obviously he's South African. He feels the, the pain of the, the issues going on within the country. And he also has a huge compassion for the guys that have been in, in lesser um, fortunate situations. And he's he worn brings the jersey. everyone in. He's worn the jersey. But he, he also loves the Willie LaRue's mm. and, the, and the finesse and the... And the and the beauty of it too. He's not just steeped in harder, stronger, longer, faster. Like, you know, he understands there's a there's a nuance to it, to life. There's a balance to it. That's why I think someone like, and this isn't me getting rid of Steve. No, no, no. And, no, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that, you, you know, you, you can't follow Steve, but I think people that front the team, the fans need to believe it. The media, to a degree, needs to believe it. Yeah. And be on that journey. And having someone, I, I thought Kevin Sinfield was going to, be that man but clearly he's inexperienced in that space you look at someone like Sean Edwards fuck he's walked the walk he has walked the walk visually he's walked the walk up north where it he rains is. a lot dark he's, he's had his head in there and he's done the rounds like he's done his apprenticeship you know Kevin's been thrown in there and this is no dis disrespect I love Kev Sinfield everything he stands for away from rugby as well the guy's a legend and he might be the first to say that he's, he's not quite ready and, and maybe he, he can stay in there but I think someone like Sean Edwards if you're an England fan you'd want to go all out to bring him in however yeah, that looks for sure you I, could have Steve as a forwards coach head coach and, and him coming in being like you know what this is what we need to do for sure Sh Sean's a really proud Englishman too so mm. you would you would need some balance within it you would need a Scott Robertson with him um, obviously he's tied up with New Zealand though so it's just we're just talking fantasy here and you know I, and I got Scott the job did you hear about that New Zealand job so Scott came on the big gym <laughs> show right and yeah. he wouldn't do an interview so I'm hounding him because I went and saw him at the Barbarians and he made me hit the deck and start doing yeah. his move so I was like mate you've embarrassed me you're coming on so he comes on the big gym show and you know what he's like as in he's talking to me as in open just yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. mates like a fucking good bloke we're going back and forth he's like look I said, what's the dream? He said, look, I want to win the World Cup with two different countries. Okay, I know it so, sounds yeah, ridiculous, yeah. but you've asked me the question. That's, no, that's what cool. I, that's what I dream about. He said, New Zealand want to be one. And he said, I don't mind. And I, he might have referenced England. I can't remember who it was. Next thing is the way that the New Zealand media is. It was on the radios. It Everything. was like, Scott Robertson shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that interview. Who is this bloke he's doing the interview with? And he got the job. And I just <laughs> texted him and said, you're welcome. I felt bad on Ian Foster. And he just laughed. He said, I'm never speaking to you again. But yeah, so charismatic, which is great to have people like that in our game. Like no, for it, sure, it really for sure. Is. We just we want to we want to allow the room for it here too. But like, mm. you also got to recognise like the way our media plays out. Like, when people behave in that manner, then a lot of the judgment and the, he's different to us, and you know that all comes out too. So there's other fronts in terms of having to make a lot of change within what we see on a daily basis. That's in front of our eyes. Um, how people, how they write about people, how they speak about people, how it is just people getting constantly judged and critiqued, and you know it, it can just only put a dark cloud over our country. Mm. Um, and you see that with everything that's playing out: more segregation, more Brexit, more these things, and, and and all of these things. And listen, I'm not petitioning for or against anything. I'm not petitioning for Borthwick out. I'm not petitioning for any of these things. I'm only ever saying that we can lead from the hearts, lead with love, and 
that's a more difficult thing to do because fear-based leading tactics looks like Eddie Jones in the group he ran, you know, and you can get results. It doesn't necessarily mean that any part of the game is going to grow because it, it didn't, you know, it, it put Steve in a really difficult position. So I think it's going to be interesting how it all plays out now with the World Cup. I think he's so detailed in what he's doing that at some point their forwards are just going to do something mm. which they could have a really connecting performance against Argentina where their drills are so perfect that, you know, you can still win games on the back of that, you know. Um, so it'd definitely be interesting uh, and, and good luck to him. Eddie Jones, has he been in contact or not? <laughs> no, so do you not. want to maybe give the listeners, I can, I can do it if you want, uh, the line from your book that you spoke about? I don't need to give the line. All I know is that, you know, it's the first time I'm in a team environment and I felt super uncomfortable with the things he was talking about. And with you specifically, yeah, because we were sat at the dinner table and he was sat next to me, he was speaking to me. Like, the fact he, he's come out saying, Oh, we didn't have a close relationship, I wouldn't speak to him like that. So, what you speak to other players like that, who you've got a close relationship with, I don't think you do, mate. I don't think you're going down and sitting with George Ford and Aaron Farrell and asking those personal questions because he was it, asking what Kirsty Gallagher was like in bed or something. Uh, he, he knew Kirsty Gallagher lived in the area, he was yeah. asking about shagging, and then he was like, What's she like? And I'm sat there going... Just like lad banter, effectively, or what he yeah, perceived Yeah, but in his, in his Aussie accent. Yeah, yeah. And again, I was like, Eddie, I feel uncomfortable. Like, I said it straight to him. And... He wouldn't have liked that, though. But I don't care if mm. you're the coach. We're on a human level. It's not the fact you're a coach. I've got a yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. That's why rugby's in the position it's in because of that, that type of behaviour. Mm. And then he comes out saying, there's no leaders in this country. Because everyone has to sound like you will agree with you. So mm. how's there going to be a leader? Because you're not. So they're just going to sound like you and parrot you. But again, like, I, I want to remove myself out of this because this, this obviously is my personal experience. But then I look at people like Dan Robson and Christian Wade and Sam Simmons, people that haven't even had an opportunity really to like see how much they could have graced the international scene. Alex Good. Alex Good, you know, he, he, he for years, I think Brownie did a, a fantastic job and I think he should have had more opportunity to really push Brownie because if you do have that, then it's going to sharpen, sharp, iron sharpens iron, mm -hmm. you know. And it's not personal, like, bearing in mind all coaches have been very personal talking about me and my character and have created this narrative around me that people that don't really watch the game all think I'm like that. But if you followed my career from when I, you know, my start, explosive gone to Oz had a very well paid gap year enjoyed that came back sale I took a team that could have been relegated or should have been lower end of the table but we were a really tight group and we outperformed three years I don't even want to go into what I did it's irrelevant well, we can do it's one more we can now. do one more took then Gloucester into the top went, four no listen I went to Was you know Gloucester was like I was so exhausted at the end of that season mate like I got players play the season I didn't feel any way about it I didn't like feel proud of, I wasn't happy I was so exhausted because my first, I chose to go to Gloucester. I took a 60% pay cut because I saw the squad they were building and I thought I can do something really good with this squad in terms of just shape a little bit of what's going on and we'll go play. I got there and realised the attack coach was a really nice guy, Timmy Taylor. He was kind of leaning on me for a lot. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take the reins here. But then the head coach didn't want me to do it. He wanted to do a bunch of four-man lineouts and stuff that he'd seen and thinks is a good idea and again it, it's good in 
segments or in parts, but rugby as a whole, you need to get the flow and the understanding as a group as a whole. And you can have those trick plays as one off. You can't have your whole system designed around it. Otherwise, when this game goes a bit skewiff or slow ball happens, everyone's then swimming like, where do I go? What do I do? We're meant to be in this four man routine. So it has to be play this moment, every moment to your best ability decision make you can't defend a good decision that's what you do and when I went to Gloucester I was you know obviously I was coaching I was taking cones out I was taking meetings and it was probably a lot for the boys because like you know they probably hadn't experienced that but ultimately we had an amazing season we had an amazing time like and um, I loved it and the end of the season I didn't get what I was gunning for which is an opportunity in the World Cup or an opportunity at all to play for England to give a put my hand up and that sent me on like such a journey man because the players you're picking now have all voted me to be players player of the season everyone you know the year before I was in the nominations for player of the year I was in the team of the year the year before so this is not just a one-off season or a highlights player as Eddie likes to say you know my highlight reel is pretty long like for it to be a highlight player mm. um, I must say like, of course I can still big myself up every now oh, and mate. then you know what I'm saying find a highlight reel like you I'll be talking about it every day <laughs> mate the best highlight reel I've ever seen is Christian Wade just go watch it it's like oh. 30 minutes of stupid tries anyway so that sent me on such a journey man because what I got my validation in when I was young from coaches was rugby it, all the coaches loved me like it just sent me into a place where I had to start going internally. How do I feel good again? You can't lie to yourself. You have to be completely full of integrity and honest. And, you know, meeting my wife has been the most amazing experience of my life, man. She is the most special woman. And I love that woman to to the day I die. Will you open up the book with, what would you call it? What's the opening bit? The foreword. Is it the foreword? The dedication. The dedication. So it's not a foreword, is it? No, so I dedicated it. You dedicated the book yeah, to, to her Victoria. and then also to some feelings that I felt yeah. that a lot of people in this country are probably going through um, because those are lots of the feelings that I felt a lot throughout my life. Like the way I feel now in each and every single one of my days, like, you know, she jokes that I smile doing the washing up. Like I am in a continual state of joy because... And I look back in my career and I think far out, I don't even know how I got on the field sometimes, but it drove me to do it and it sent me to this place and I'm so grateful for all of it. You know, I'm so grateful for the fact I didn't get picked by these coaches because my life is so great now. I think it would be would have been different for you, not that it matters, yeah. if it wasn't for the media and the perception, all the things that were coming out. If you were this man sat in front of me... But I wasn't then. I, I know, but... If the coaches never knew, so even if you were, like, even if you were, even if you weren't, but the perception was even my perception. Like you yeah, were yeah. in OK magazine, you're in the Sun newspaper, you're popping up, one of the highest profile players. What does high profile mean? Well, it is around the media, around what you're doing away from the pitch, which is an argument to say, well, that's going to help grow the game. I'd almost guarantee that, and it doesn't matter because it's hindsight, that if that wasn't surrounding you, the coaches would have listened to you. Like they would have let you be that Frank's because that's who Owen's like N name me some coaches and we'll go through it I think Eddie would have been more receptive because he is with Owen in what way I, I think that Owen runs a show in whatever club he's in it Saracen's exactly the same I think if you go in there and but you've do, got do you not think Owen then has the same sort of energy or connection with those guys like it, they understand it yes like, Owen's a good rugby player yeah, don't get me wrong yeah. it's a great leader my point is if you're in a meeting with a coach yeah 
and you're having that conversation because even when we're talking about yeah. you're very passionate about it and mate you're fucking you know you're not bigger than me but it can be intimidating but that's how it's meant to be you in a rugby testosterone fueled yeah. environment their go-to would be they'd be looking at your eyes being has he been out of the piss that's not has he been nah, on the mate, fucking has he been on the is, fucking is the you bag? just said it it feel intimidating but to them what, yeah, but and that's what yes. they feel then they feel like this isn't my team or they feel out of control and then they go back to that young boy that they've not really gone through but yet I didn't look at authority like mm. I've got to bow down to you like when I was at Bath that last year we had the same meeting Tuesday, Thursday for 12 months mm. the same session on the field for 12 months and I was just like Phew. I remember I spoke to the attack coach in pre-season I said to him Four or five times I said, fundamentally, I think we're missing a few things for our attack here. This is what I feel. And he'd go to me, oh, Danny, grab the boys off the training and just do a bit. And I was like, it doesn't work like that. It needs to be an important message. It needs to be led by you or you need to let me lead it. And he was like, oh, and he had all these things on the board and he had like 50 different things to read from. But it's too much information to take in. It needs to be quick, easy to learn fundamentals so people can fall into shape and you allow the players to do what they do. You know, uh, and it was the first time in my career I didn't just go, nah, I'm doing it like this. So I just sat back and I was like, okay, I'll just play your system. Um, since my first year at Sale, because I did that at Sale, because um, I was still learning the game in a deep way in that sense. And it was a terrible season on the field, but I really enjoyed it because it was peaceful for me. I didn't have conflict with the coaches every day. I didn't have them walking past me and kind of looking at me in the eye and feeling that energy that I felt with Dai and Johan and, and, and all the England coaches, you know, like it was a peaceful year. I enjoyed it. I just trained with the young kids and I, I, I would work with them and show them, you know, as much perspective as I could on, on, on how to play the game. And they loved it. And I enjoyed that process. But, you know, the way the season went, it was always kind of going to go that way. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but yeah, it did. You're answering the questions, whether or not you want to or not, on a wider scale. Am I? Well, the question is out there, Sips, okay. is why you didn't get 50 caps for England? Why didn't you get 100 caps? Why weren't you a lion? Like that, that is the question that people ask all the time. And you're speaking about the reasons why, whether or not you want to or not, because of, cause they'll be yeah. looking at you as a character because it's undeniable, mate, how you played the game. Like when, got, you, when you were on... I got on, the text and the call to go on the Lions tour. Mm. When they went to South Africa in 2009. Never, obviously never happened. Read that bit in the book. We'll leave that bit there. They can. <laughs> we're going to move away from rugby. Did you want to be famous? No. When you were younger? When, when, did, when did you hit London and start getting the, the fame? If you want to call it fame or perceived fame. I went out probably a little bit. and I went out when I was 18 and I slept with a girl. And then she sold a story on me, 18. And then a week later, it came out that she was born a man. So you can imagine that it was two front page things at 18. That kind of kicked off a lot of the, the interest. And did that happen? Yeah, I did sleep with her. And well, I thought it was a her at the time. And, and when did you realise? I was a little bit tipsy. Yeah. Um, and out of recollection, I think she put maybe some Vaseline there, but... I'm 18. I'm not an experienced on, guy, no, you, man. You just, yeah, so. I, I don't go into detail in that sense, but I didn't come away thinking, oh, that was different because I'm 18 and I haven't had sex with that many people at that point. Mm. So being on the front page and going into the change room, can you imagine trying to stomach that? The banter. Just I, deny it. 
I'm not. It's on. The, it's in the media, yeah, man. But you just just deny. I, yeah, but I don't. I, it happened, and I didn't mm. care. It didn't bother me. Like, but what I'm saying is, it obviously created some fanfare, then, didn't mm. it? It created. I forgot that that was the reason why. Like, well, in what, well, that's what, one of the reasons. That was one of the things, and you know, I was written about from 16 years old mm. because of the way I played rugby. I didn't. I didn't ask for that. That that came to me. That was mm. you know. I'm not going, come give me an interview at 16. They're coming to me, the times to come do interviews with me. Before the Scotland game, I get dropped, front page, big story. Then I have a good game. Then I swear, like accidentally, like I'm very excited. You know, I've just lived my dream out. And obviously it, all that stuff's going on. And there obviously comes a point where you feel safer at times with people that might be well known because they're not going to sell a story on you. Like mm. I'm always having this conversation: you're going to sell stories, all these things, because your trust, my my trust in women from a young age, obviously with my relationship with my mum was broken. So then I, I'm always like in that sort of same way of being. And what are they saying to you, the famous women? Are they, of course, that? they're not going to tell stories, and even people that aren't famous, though, like I'm still concerned mm. because I'm trying to play for England here. But obviously, I'm still behaving and acting out in ways which isn't seen in the done and right way within rugby. But it's all stuff that's driven off the field. And it's all stuff that if, if I could have known better at that point, I would have done better because I can only refer to how I feel now with the love of my life, with the most beautiful woman I've ever met and the way I feel every single every single day. And it's not just because of her, it's, 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 it's the space and the love she gave me, but the work I've done internally and have been doing since I met Blackie, you know, but even before that, lots of time I've always been seeking and searching. But the, the continuous state of joy that I feel now is wildly different to how I used to feel when I was in those positions from the outside doing things that maybe lots of men would like to be doing. And I share my most vulnerable and intimate things with people in the book to let people know that if you are a young boy and you are sleeping with lots of women and it feels good and you're telling your mates this and that and you're getting this up and down spikes, you've got to take a look at it and where it's coming from because no one has ever been happy doing that. Like it looks from the outside glamorous and good and fun. But how I'd feel on my own in the majority of the days, you know, if I spend a couple hours with someone, I've got the rest of the days to deal with my own mind. And, and I'm constantly distracting myself, not sitting with myself. Mm. And moments in my life made me sit with myself. And it was difficult, man. And, and I was seeking and searching in some of the wrong places. But your, your, your story's important, mate. Like, we had a, a guy in Edinburgh. He was my gardener. Yeah? He was. Mate, he committed suicide two weeks ago mm. at the age of 32 years mm. old. 32 years Sorry, old. Sorry, man. And um, I... You weren't to know. Oh, mate, just didn't know. Just didn't know. I've not said it out loud either. That was quite difficult for me. So, so Scaly, played at Curry, Curry Rugby Club. And I'm thinking, what the, like, what has gone on in his mind to throw himself off the fourth road bridge just outside of Edinburgh? And I walk the dog up the hill. Like I go up every morning. So my thing is, like, I love being in the outdoors. Yeah. Walk to the top of the hill and can see the bridge. That's That's my vision. That's like... My favourite view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I look at that and think of him. And I'm like, this isn't about, oh, yeah, mental health and, you know, everyone has to talk and you have to do this. Because I don't believe that that is the case. I don't believe that, you know, you need to sit here and do it this way or I need to sit here and do it that way. I quite like not talking, 
Like I quite like dealing with things myself, and that's that's what I like. I prefer doing that. Other people like talking, but I just think it's especially around the media and the social pressure of what you're what's perceived to be like the best life, right? And this is what I think because I've got four kids, right? So my kids are now on this journey of phone, social media. My lad wants to be a basketballer, speaks about Kobe Bryant. You look at the footballers, you look at the fame, you look at the fortune. That is now what children perceive is the best life. And listen to someone like yourself, and this is what I get, because when I was younger, it was like fucking sips, smashing it, killing it, on the pitch, fucking balls in the white channel, rock and roll, as in a very superficial snapshot of someone's life, which you see on TV, you see on social media. But that that that's me who I've got my wits about. I understand that it isn't all that, and I know that there's underlying things with yourself and with other people, but from... Most people's perspective, that life is the dream life. Like, that is the dream. To be famous, to be in nightclubs, money, high social media following, that is what now I would say the majority of our kids want. So they want to be famous. You used to look at, sorry to say Love Island, but Love Island, Big Brother, when we were younger, these reality TV shows, that is what people are now aspiring to be because they want to be famous. Yeah, everyone who is famous, not everyone, most people, Hugh Jackman looks happy, mm-hmm. most people say it's the death of them. And they have to go yeah. through that process to get to a point where you've been there. It's almost weird to say rock bottom when you're doing all right financially, you're sleeping with people constantly, so you're fulfilled or perceived to be fulfilled in that moment. High profile, you get things for free, nightclubs for free, you've got a good life, yet tragically unhappy it's mental but it's the truth yeah and like for me to say that out loud because of course when i was young i wanted to be famous everyone wants to be famous i say everyone i think most people mm-hmm. want to be famous of course they do yeah do you know you know i I, ne- I never wanted to be it wasn't you know my thing i you know i have been a kid that i'm I, I, i've got a lot of love in me man i was a confident happy kid playing my sport and I faced a lot of stuff, been through a lot of stuff, and I'm passionate about exploring more of life, but also sharing people with people what I've been through. Because mm. I hope that I have a vision of in 10 years time, 15 years time, that our country looks wildly different. And people aren't walking down the street with their heads down, looking at their shoes, and people are afraid to talk to someone. And I understand there's bad things going on out there, but don't let that affect how you feel internally. You can still keep coming from love and keep growing no matter what circumstance you've been in like I try and explain that in the book the ups and the downs like of my experience um and I've been so lucky man I might not have got the parents I desired but if it wasn't for Sean and Brian and Margot and Kevin and Blackie and Led and all these great people I've met then I wouldn't have been so Again, I look at my life and you don't get what you want or you desire, which would have been the caps or would have been this thing. I've got what I needed to live in the most beautiful way, man, internally. Mm. And all I do is spit love to people, man. If I meet people or if I say it, like, I just want to connect on that level. doesn't mean I'm not going to say what I feel when it comes to people like Eddie Jones. I've still got love for Eddie Jones, man. I understand that where he's at, it, it can't be a happy place because of the way he speaks, the way he leads, the way... You see that in like the way he treated players that got injured and all these things. But if I don't 
speak about it, when is it going to change? Or mm. what, how is those things within our sport going to change or our culture or our media? And when, and when Caroline passed, I swore that her name wouldn't go in vain. And I know she'd be proud of me standing up and I will keep standing up. And that's why I decided to do the serialization with the sun. But I didn't think they were going to do the way they did. We need to keep shining the light on their behavior, but recognize it's not the truth. And that's why throughout this whole period of me talking about my book and everything that comes out, I'm going to get the chance to share my truth and from a loving place, but also showing the media like nothing's changed since people have taken their lives, mate. Mm. Everyone for two weeks, be kind, be kind. But the original trolls where everyone on Twitter learns it from is the sun, is the way they talk about people. You go read the word for word how they spoke. They spoke about me like two weeks before my book came out, the, the title, the headline, Love Rat Danny, this and that. That's not who I am. I am a great husband. I'm a great step granddad. I'm a great stepfather. And I could play a bit of rugby, mm. but they're still connecting me to that. And back in the day, those type of headlines were tough to shake, man, because I felt like some of it was true because maybe I was still living in a way which was allowing that stuff to happen, which I was. And I own that. I'm accountable for my actions, for everything that's been and gone. That's why I don't go back and I want those caps. I don't go back and speak angrily about those people because I understand it's been and gone. I can't keep carrying that baggage, but I can keep coming into this new moment, brand new, with excitement and love and a passion that I have within me. And I'm going to keep following that. I did that within rugby. I got labelled disruptive. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm now unafraid to do so. Whereas before I wouldn't speak out. I wouldn't say how I felt. I wouldn't speak about how Mike Cat treated me at England in 2015. I came out and said, me and Mike Cat have got a good working relationship. I lied then mm. so England could go to the World Cup and have a good World Cup. I didn't want to be trouble. But yet I'm the bad character. But the way he behaved, the entire squad was like, Rob Shaw was coming up to me. You're right, mate. That was out of order. Everyone was doing it. So, again, why am I going to let someone speak to me like that? I'm not. Because I'm a human as much as you are. It doesn't matter what your title is. Let's get in the same boat. Why can't we just welcome in the differences a little bit more? And if, if it's not feeling right, then why can't we pick people up rather than batting them down so they keep repeating mistakes? If a kid is wanting to... If you go to a kid, don't do that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. What happens? They keep doing it. Why are you doing that? Like, what, what's the feeling? What, what are you feeling? Like, get in there with them. When my seven-year-old granddaughter is crying, I'll just sit there and hold her until she stops, man. Mm. I don't want to distract her or stop her from crying because that's what she feels in that moment. But I understand why you want to or if you're out in public and you feel like, oh, my baby's crying. Fuck what people think in that moment. Look after you and your own. Mm. And what they think's on them. Because you're coming from love. And if you keep doing that, I promise life changes and it comes and it grows. It doesn't mean bad things don't happen. My mum had a stroke in New Year's Eve. It was difficult, but I had to keep giving unconditional love. I had to keep coming forward with it because life keeps coming. But how you handle it is a testament of you. If you react constantly from past behaviours, which are to do with your previous reactions or your anger that's still fulfilled in you, your life's still going to keep looking like that. Mm. So those are the things I had to change because I wasn't happy internally, even though from the outside it looked like I'm living this amazing life. doesn't mean I didn't have fun. Having fun is not a joyous state to live in. It's very short term. It's dopamine. It's hits. I can tell you something, though. Yes, mate. Tell me. As in denial as Eddie Jones might be, yeah. the profile that you have and the mm -hmm. book that you've brought out, whether he says it or not, 
and you sat here on a podcast, if there's snippets of this that go out, oh, it's fucking Jim and Sips spitting shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be second-guessing himself next time to say something like that to another player or to think something like that. Do you know what I mean? As in, Listen, even, he, you can be in... I'm, I'm not saying he has yeah, yeah, said yeah, it yeah. like that's yours and, and yeah, his yeah, conversation. Yeah, 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 for sure. I get that. But this is the thing when... The profile and the, I'm going to say it, whether or not power is the right word, influence sounds better, sounds less alpha. The influence that you'll have in your book and your story will stop people in their tracks. It might just be for a split second and they'll carry on on the journey that they think, the path that they think is right, whether or not that's passive aggressive, whether that's not wanting to listen to their best player, whatever that is, or people listen to this who want to be fair, whatever, it will make them stop in the tracks and that's what I got out of the book as well so going back to the, the initial question that you said like what did you think there was all these things like regardless of you know Eddie said this oh no I didn't say that he's like it's a fabrication it's oh you know w w w there's not a clique in the England squad regardless of these things they'll be second guessing they'll be checking themselves now which is I think is a positive because no one calls people out and I think it's a positive to do it in the right way you know if you like I think you keep going back to the fact that you said that about Eddie but You've also gone through his life and his yeah, journey like, and his struggles. It's been easy. on the love. That's of not course easy. it's not. Like I'm, I'm not going to take that away, but it's our duty if you're in those positions as leaders to lead in a positive manner. It does. We don't have the Martin Luther Kings around now because everyone is a leader in some format. Whether you are a coach of a football team, a high school team, a maths team, a spelling bee, mm. you know, whatever it is, everyone. Why can't we lead in that manner? Not just to make money or to, to look like you're doing the right thing. Be uncomfortable. Learn what you don't know because we don't know anything. We keep learning. We keep growing. There's, there's nothing that I know apart from the energy I'm going to bring in every moment is a full heart every time. And if it says things that are uncomfortable, I don't apologize. At what point did you get to the start of this new journey? What was the tipping point? Man, do you know what? Like, I think I was, I was, I was on it for a long time because obviously, you know... I've always been vying for, for, for my mum's love. Like a young boy is. A, mom, a young boy's first love is his mum and a young girl's first love is their dad. It's, I know the feeling. It, well, it happens. And that's my experience of being human is that, and that, that's what it was. And I've met, like I said, some amazing people along the way. I've had so many things happen to me, you know. I, when I had that really bad ankle break, but I came back and my body came back strong. Part of me recognised then, like, far out man you put your mind to something you really can do some even with your own body you can heal and go beyond what the doctors are saying you know like it's going to be this and that me and kevin was like nah we do it right we'll do it like this and i was like man i believe in you so much like got back in four and a half months mm. physically i was perfect mentally i wasn't prepared to go into the same situations for about 12 to 18 months because I was still apprehensive of breaking my ankle again. It was still within me. I didn't recognize that bit as a young player. But later on that, that then phases out. But I wish I, you know, I don't wish I dealt with it. I learned about that then. Um, I met Steve Black when I was 24. Like, oh my God, changed my life, man. Mm. Like I was at a point when it was needed too. I felt like I had everything. My agent said to me at the time, he was like, I think you should go chat with him. And I was like, man, I don't need to. I've got Sean, I've got Margot, I've got... And he was like, no, I'll just do it. And I was like, I really respected him. So I was like, cool, I'll do it. And then I went and sat with Blackie. An hour meeting turned into four. And I came out, I was like, I just loved that man. Like, he, he spoke to my heart and who I was. Not any of the stuff that's happened around all these mistakes and bring them up. Like he saw me 
And then I just started knuckling down and I started, and it doesn't mean I'm not gonna ever make a mistake again. My mistakes are everywhere, right? But ultimately, he really focused my mind, but the, what happened was he showed me love and that love there meant I'm gonna listen to what you got to say because I want to be like that. I wanna lead in that way. I wanna make people feel how you made me feel, right? That's a leader to me. So, and everyone that has a coach like Blackie says, well, everyone that has Blackie says he's the best coach ever and he's not a coach of anything. He's just a coach. Like, you know, you have a duty, a responsibility, even if you're a coach at a school to like, lead with your heart. I had a great coach when I was seven years old called Mr. O.D. And he was a hard Irishman. Like everyone was scared of him as a deputy head. But in assembly, he'd always say the most lovely things about me at the end of the assembly because I play well at the weekend. And I was like, far out, man. I don't want to cross this guy, but why has he been so nice to me? I don't get it. Like, so I learned a lot from that too. And I've always led in that way. And obviously it's sent me into parts of my life and it's been misplaced and I've behaved in ways. And I don't, I don't ever... Um, I'm not happy about having a drink drive or having an altercation with some police officers and all that. But like what happened with me and the police officers and Willie Hines was there mm. and they were there and they seen it and how this, how everything came that made me look like I'm just this brutal wanker, all this stuff that kind of galvanized the group. Cause we were like, this kid's got a bit of a tough ride, you know? So not a tough ride. It's not, I'm not saying it's a tough ride, but it's just, the the stories that they spin in in the media it's not the truth yeah it's a narrative they spin and not only do they do it in within sports world or the showbiz world or they, they they do it in politics and stuff too mate so like how do we ever get a true sense of what's going on <sighs> don't go there we don't no, no i'm not you don't i, I don't you need don't. to go there but this is the point so so 100%. don't live outside mm. live internally how do you come and live good when you feel love and joyous you feel good so keep acting and behaving towards that energy mm. state, even if it feels uncomfortable and recognize when you react in moments and when you get triggered because you don't, that trigger will continue to trigger you for the rest of your life until you address it. Mm. Like I felt so rejected every time I didn't get picked for England because it felt like rejection as a kid. Like it was within me. It was like, a, a, it, was, it was so normal for me to see, but then it comes a point when rejection, that's not possible now. I, don't, I can't feel rejection because I know internally if someone doesn't want to be with me or or pick me for a game, that's on you. And later in my career, I started to understand that. You know, even when Lancaster and those guys didn't pick me, you know, I was like, in 2015, I was like, fair enough, your mistake, that was it. But when it happened in 2019, after I gave it so much, I gave it so much, got Players Player of the Year, I went to a club that hadn't been in the top four for over 10 years and... You know, I did everything I could to make, you know, the, the biggest thing I ever did as a player, Jim, was try and make, not try and make, but give everyone else a different perspective of the game so then they could enjoy or, or play the game in an easier, more efficient way. And every club I went to, I did that. Every young player you speak to about how I play with them or um, go tra do extra training with them or attempt to instill confidence within each individual is why the teams played in certain, it's not the why, but I'm not the reason why. I just wanted to lead from the heart. The players enjoyed it. And in doing so, everyone kind of played better because they did it. That's what a coach does. You you, you show them a route. But if a player decides to take it, you can't take any responsibility for that. You just open the door. They ran through it. And everywhere I went, that's what I tried to do. Because for me, the game of rugby, it's, it's about 
But find an attacking space. It's the same as basketball, same as football. It's played different. Rugby's 180. Basketball's all in front of you. Football's 360. Attacking space, finding space, it's all the same. It's noughts and crosses, but there's a way within rugby to do it. And in rugby, it's all hell for leather, gung-ho, physical, but yet you miss the nuance. And the nuance is control foot speed you've got to play accordingly to defense and when they're on the back foot you then dictate to them and then your foot speed is at a slightly different one you have to have a feel of a sense of what's going around you how can you have a feel or a sense of what's around you because that's vulnerability if you're being coached to be tough hard run quick you're not even thinking about that you're just going aren't you mm. like if you are in a w open environment of talking and and learning then you're going to start getting a feel for what you're doing internally rather than just following an order. So like it applies to so much. And I know I go all around the house when I'm speaking, but it, it connects at some point and I just, I'm very passionate about life and love, bro. That's it. One running theme, and this happens a lot when people come into the studio and I feel the love and the energy, but one of the glaringly obvious things that's become very apparent to me yeah. as a father now <laughs> <laughs> and some similarities with our childhood, I would say. Yeah. I'm not going to say that your parents w weren't there. They were yeah, but similarities. I understand that feeling. Mine were there. You know, and I'm slowly drip-feeding my story. And like, I was in foster care when I was 14, 15. Yeah. My dad was never there. My mum was never there, unfortunately. It would be difficult for her to hear. She's not. We don't have a relationship now. Yeah. But it's the need for role models. And there's a male. And you mentioned Blackie there. You mentioned a, a number of strong male role models on your journey and it's almost as if you've been looking for that love and that affirmation off a Sean Edwards off a Blackie whether or not it's direct it doesn't need to be a cuddle it doesn't need to be I love you mm. Sips it needs to be like I respect you this is the way yeah. this is the direction follow me I will show you how to be a man yeah. in that space Yeah. one thing having spoken to people in here but on this journey that I'm on I realised the significance of a male role model, both as a father, but something that I also lacked growing up. And I've told this story before. I remember Mark McCall when I signed for Saracens. And I've had this issue a few times. Vern Cotter was my Scotland coach and we he didn't pick me for 2015, didn't respect me. And I think I know the reason why, but Mark McCall said to me when we were pissed and he was, he was holding a big blow-up penis on one of these ski trips where they <laughs> washed money to take us. He sat me down and I, I had this feeling that Smalley didn't really like me. I don't know what it was. It was just this undercurrent thing. And he kind of opened up to me and said, you're constantly looking for affirmation. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've just told you, you you're playing really well. And my first thing when he said, Jim, you're playing well, I said to him, really? Am I? I questioned. I almost wanted him to tell me again. And he was like, Matt, I thought you know, you meant to be the enforcer, like, you know, what, why do you keep needing someone to say how well you're playing? And, and he was 100%, 100% right. Mm. I constantly needed someone to say, mate, you're doing good. This is good. Which you wouldn't think, six foot nine in heels. No, but do you know what? You know, it's amazing you said that, Jim, because you've just been vulnerable about mm. an experience of, especially within the sport of rugby, where there's not many people that are willing to open up into that space and you are a big forward and a lot of the guys are big forwards in that way and you want to be tough, but that element is only ever going to send you on a better path of life. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure it has done since then. Like I'm sure you continue to have felt better. It's a, a self-awareness, so I know that that is one of my big vulnerabilities. Time. Big time. You know? You know and, and how I'm, do you feel about that now? Like, Do you still feel like you need 
that validation in a way or does it feel less of now? Do you have a less of a desire for it? Less of a desire, but I know that it's there because not having a dad who is constantly feeding you with that love and that energy, son, it's all right. Yeah, like, yeah. it's fine. You're going to be all right. Regardless of what happens, everything's going to be fine. I'm there for you. Yeah, yeah. Like never having that yeah. is always going to be a void, isn't it? Yeah, it and is. That, it is. But you're doing that for your kids. Of, of I, course. I said that in there. Yeah, that's what and we're talking without about. Without that experience, a lot of people don't go on and do it. So exactly. you're actually changing that now. You're, mm. you're generational trauma, they say, because so many of our parents and their grandparents, they just repeat what they had. Exactly. So, I've broken the cycle. That, I and know that. that. Beautiful, Jim. Yeah. And you can go further and keep coming mm. from it and keep doing it because you're doing. You've done amazing, mate. Mm. Like for you to go through that, be vulnerable, have your show, do all this with everything you've been through, and then go and be the dad that you are. Man, hats off to you, bro. Yeah, and it's only recently where I've thought that you know where I've sat back and gone, fuck, like because it runs away from you, right? Yeah. As in, you're on to the next thing. It's yeah. like, what's next? What's yeah. next? And when you come from nothing and had nothing, you want more. It's like, I want more. What's next? But actually. For the first time ever, so it's not today with you, but yeah. a little bit with you, yeah. I can breathe, I yeah, can look up, good. I can enjoy good. my life. Like, I, I love my life. Like, I've got a great life. Like, I really have, and I'm really, like, accepting of that. You know, I don't need someone to say, like, it's nice that you obviously say that. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I don't need a Mark McCall yeah, to come yeah, and say, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. smashing it. And we can, I can see that in your face, yeah. though. It wears in your skin. It wears in the way you behave. It wears in your body and how you feel. Like, when you're living in that state and... You know, I think that's brilliant, man. Yeah, but that's what it doesn't need to be like. As in, when we talk on the podcast, it's free flowing. It's like I've not come here to talk about mental health yeah, or yeah. to talk about role models and that. But it is what it is. Like it's the facts of it. Like you're a 35 yeah. year old talented athlete who's been on that journey. Yeah, it comes back to surrounding with with people with high energy, not toxic, moaning, judging. And it's the same, like, as in, like that, that is. I think I've come to the to realize it's the facts. You need these positive, energetic people. Like that mm. is what life is, especially yeah. now. Well, you've touched on it. I agree. It's fucking harder than life's easier than ever, and maybe that's why it's harder than ever. P potentially, but I think that's why we have so much going on in our minds. That's why it's a spiritual war for it. That's why it's the connection. Like the connection is the worst it's been. It's like we've got an easier life. Everything's really accessible. So everyone's living in their minds and they're spinning and spinning and spinning. Mm. And I know what that feels like. And I know what I felt like when I was sitting in quiet and in solitude and my mind was running. Mm. Like when I started meditation like 11 years ago, it was just to try and quiet my mind a little bit, man. Like, but now I'm able to sit and meditate, even if I'm on the train and just completely be tranquil and spending time on your own and meditation and solitude might not be the Western way of doing things, but it's the way that you can configure and figure out and let things fall away so it doesn't continually pop up in your days and you can make brand new decisions every day and not repeat the same day from yesterday because it's still running through your mind. You need to look back and let go and move forward. And that's where I felt on the field in sport. It's beautiful because it gives you opportunity. Like if I go and drop a ball, not that I did many, but if I did drop a ball, I'm only joking. Um, if I did drop a ball, I can't be carrying that into the next play. Because then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to censor myself. I'm not going to be able to go and execute the way I want to. So you, you, sport almost gives you the route to do it. And that's through something you love, joy. So if it's art or you do a bad bit of art, you don't get caught up about it and let it run through your mind. You move on to the next thing because you're following that joy. If music, if you play a bad note, you don't stop and get mad. You move on because if you love what you're doing and you 
go down that path. It's going to teach you everything you need to know about yourself. And I can only speak from my experience, and and that's that's all I can I can do, and I can reflect in a, in in an honest way, which reveals the vulnerabilities, but also you know, like you said, I show you you can be so happy, man. You mm. can you can live in a really happy state, and if you live outside yourself in this societal world, chasing what you see out there, the media and, and f money and fame and all these things, then you're not going to be a leader in your field. You need to lead from the heart. Absolutely. Right, so let's look forward for Sips. Yeah. 35, this book's going to blow up, not because of the podcast. It's already is blowing up, so that's going to go well. What do you want? Do you want to put the boots back on? Uh, I would love to play. Um, Anywhere in mind? Uh, look, there's loads of places with certain coaches, like the Renault Garas and... and you know, he's not a Crusaders anymore, Scott. But like, there's certain environments that would be great. Um, but you know, when I was when I was a kid and I decided to play rugby, it was just through the love and sheer joy of it. And I have that for life, for sharing, for and I got a passion for so many things. I didn't know how my life was going to look, and I lived in a state of pure joy, excitement, and visualization and imagination of what could be. And before I knew it, I was playing for England. So that's the energy I'm going to embody. I don't know how it's going to look, but I know that I've got all this press and all this media to go and handle and speak. And, you know, I'm going to be in some shows which are media-driven shows because, you know, you can't solve anything by hate. You know, I can't turn my back on the media or, or, or the tabloids because that's never going to do anything. I need to go sit in the middle of it with them and go 100%. and speak. You're and that's right why I'm doing what it. I'm doing. So ultimately, I don't know how it's going to look, bro. Like... There's lots of things that could be happening, you know, and I'm excited, but I know the energy I'm coming at it with. And I feel I feel so rock solid, brother. Like mm. internally, it do, I don't waver. And I'm so grateful and I feel so fortunate from my experience of all the people I met in, in my life because I've learned something from them. And I just want to share, man. I just want, I, I really believe in a better world. I really believe in a more loving and happy, enlightening world where everyone is more connected and we have more community. And, you know, you go into other parts of the world. You know, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago a lot of my time. Like, you walk down the street, everyone says hello to you. Everyone, hey, Danny boy, what I'm not. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I go see my dad and he went, hey, white boy, you're good, yeah? I'm like, I read, brother. Like, you know, it's just the way it is. But it feels nice to have that. But you can... You can live in that way too. It doesn't mean you need to be sat on a beach just smoking weed. Like you can live in that state, even if you're busy and hustling. You can live with open heart, open mind, be compassionate. Um, and I, I know I, I did that to the best of my ability in a world which, you know, in rugby didn't really want it to happen that way. And at times, definitely my ego got a play and definitely tried to do things and run the show and, you know, put my foot down because I felt it was right. It was more efficient on the field. And it, whether I was right or wrong, it doesn't matter. But I learned from those experiences. And back to your question of how it's going to look, I don't know, man. But I've now got, what are we? I've now got like two months. I'm going to do a lot of talking. Mm. So I'm just preparing for it, man. Am I your first? Uh, I did one on New Zealand the other day, a New, okay. New Zealand podcast. I did right. it on the, on the phone. But yeah, the one in England, yeah, the most recent one. And, you know, my... What I've got in my future is loving my wife and my family like every single day, turning up and sitting in silence and meditation and, and continuing and treating my body well with what I put into it, treating my mind well with the things I want to follow and find joyous and enjoy all the learning I do, all the teachers I listen to and all, all, the, all the things I like to learn about. So 
it's not boring, man. It's super exciting. Oh, it's you not get boring. To this state, man. Like mm. it's just, I'm, I'm super grateful, bro. And with your book, people will take snippets out of it like they already have done. Yeah. Some people will read it. What do you want people to get out of it? If you want anyone to get anything um, out of it at all, what's like the kind of key message? Is it to know about what you've been through to, it's, to, to it's showcase not, who you not, are now? It's not really anything to do with me or showcasing anything, but if anything within it resonates, I guess throughout it, you just go on a journey with me. So you'll feel, you know, we all have the same sort of feelings through rejection or abandonment or happiness or sadness. And you know, everyone's got, you know, there's no worse or better in that sense. Everyone's on a different scale, but it doesn't, you don't feel it differently. So what everyone's gone through and how it is and all these kids that want to go on Love Island or all these teachers that want to teach in a more compassionate, loving way or whatever it is, man, like just, just, don't judge it. Just give it a read and if you want to. Like, I'm not even trying to sell the book, Jim. Oh, it's selling it. I'm selling no, it. No, it's not because, look, it, I'm, man, like, money's a difficult subject because m my dad, 18, was always asking me for it and it was always the driving force for my mum. So, like, there's always part of me which is, like, it just feels icky. Mm. So, all the snippets that have come out, people will read it and then people have a different energy and stance about it. And I'm going to go on these shows and talk and I'm just going to be me. And, you know, if you get, because um, money's, money's energy at the end of the day, even if it's negative energy, you can make a lot. It's energy. You know, business is a really shoddy environment and working place, but there's people that make a lot of money. But you can also do it in a way where you are coming from a, a pure loving place and you're following your highest joy and you can create magical things for lots of different people. And I think that's um, what, you know, people should be looking to do as opposed to money for self and gain and, and holding on to it, you know? So how it's going to look, I don't know, but I'm really, I feel like my life's just beginning, Jim. That a boy. Danny Cipriani, who am I? Love that, brother. We'll do it again. <laughs> Cheers, brother. I enjoyed it. Awesome, man. mate. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, but you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>